Good morning, and welcome to what I like to refer to it as Oscar Month, the history of the Oscars. I'd like to start out with an opening quote, and I quote, there's a molecule inside of you that is connected to everything, every person, every energy, everything. You look for it, and when you find it, then you allow it to magnify and grow and be the dominating chemistry inside of you. That was Forrest Whitaker. Currently, Zuri on Black Panther. The best-known award is the Academy Award of Merit, more popularly known as the Oscar Statuette, made of gold-plated bronze on a black metal base. It is 13.5 inches tall, weighs 8.5 pounds, and depicts a knight rendered in Art Deco. Style, holding a crusader's sword, standing on a reel of film, with five spokes. The five spokes represent the original branches of the Academy. Actors, writers, directors, producers, and technicians. The model for the statuette is said to be Mexican actor Emilio El Indio Fernandez, sculptor George Stanley, who also did the Muse Fountain at the Hollywood Bowl, sculpted Cedric Gibbons' design. The statuettes presented at the initial ceremonies were gold-plated, solid bronze. Within a few years, the bronze was abandoned in favor of Britannia metal, a pewter-like alloy, which is then plated in copper, nickel-silver, and finally, 24-karat gold. Due to a metal shortage during World War II, Oscars were made of painted plaster for three years. Following the war, the Academy invited recipients to redeem the plaster figures for gold-plated metal ones. The only addition to the Oscar since it was created is a minor streamlining of the base. The original Oscar mold was cast in 1928 at the C.W. Shumway and Sons Foundry in Batavia, Illinois, which also contributed to casting the molds for the Vince Lombardi Trophy. That's the Super Bowl trophy, in case you didn't know. And the Emmy Awards statuettes. From 1983 to 2015, Approximately 50 Oscars in a tin alloy with gold plating were made each year in Chicago by Illinois manufacturer R.S. Owens & Company. It takes between three and four weeks to manufacture 50 statuettes. In 2016, the Academy returned to bronze as the core metal of the statuettes, handing manufacturing duties to Rock Tavern New York-based Pollock Talix Fine Art Foundry. While based on a digital scan of an original 1929 Oscar, the statuettes retain their modern era dimensions and black pedestal. Cast in liquid bronze from 3D printed ceramic molds and polished, they are then electroplated in 24 karat gold by Brooklyn, New York based Epner Technology. The time required to produce 50 such statuettes is roughly three months. R.S. Owens is expected to continue producing other awards for the Academy and service existing Oscars that need replating. The origin of the name Oscar is disputed. One biography of Betty Davis, personal favorite of mine, who was the president of the Academy, claims she named the Oscar after her first husband, band leader Harmon Oscar Nelson. Another claimed origin is the Academy's executive secretary, Margaret Herrick, who first saw the Oscar in 1931 and made reference to the statuettes reminding her of her uncle Oscar, 
a, a nickname for her cousin Oscar Pierce. Columnist Sidney Skolsky was present during Herrick's naming and seized the name in his byline. Employees have affectionately dubbed their famous statuette Oscar. One of the earliest mentions of the term Oscar dates to a Time magazine article about the 1934 Sixth Academy Awards. Walt Disney also thanked the Academy for his Oscars as early as 1932. The trophy officially received the name Oscar in 1939 by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And for a bit of African American history, in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Sidney Poitier tells his white father his white father-in-law, played by Spencer Tracy, that your daughter thinks that all our children will be president of the United States, and they'll all have colorful administrations. Frankly, I think your daughter is a bit optimistic. I'll settle for Secretary of State, end quote. Tracy retorts with, and I quote, 50 years, maybe 100 years, but not in our lifetime, end quote. That movie was more than 40 years ago. And since we've had two African-American secretaries of state, Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice, and it has taken this to have an African-American to be taken seriously as a candidate for president of these divided states of America. Could Hollywood movies have helped pave the way for Barack Obama to run for president? Morgan Freeman played the president in Deep Impact. Lou Gossett Jr. did in Left Behind. Chris Rock did in Head of State. And James Earl Jones portrayed by a black U.S. president in The Man in 1972. In 1968, when Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was up for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, the show was delayed only the third time in its, in its history. It was pushed back for two days after the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. Poitier didn't win an Oscar for his performance in that groundbreaking movie about interracial marriage. He wasn't even nominated. Catherine Hepburn won, and three other actors were nominated for the film, including the African-American actress Bea Richards, who played Poitier's mother. He had already been the first black actor to win a competitive Oscar, Sidney did, in 1963 for Lilies of the Field, and he'd go on to win one of three honorary Oscars given to African Americans, one for James Baskett in 1948 for playing Uncle Remus in Song of the South, and one for Quincy Jones in 1995. Things seem to have improved in Hollywood, so much so that a 24-year tradition of awarding the Black Oscar ended last year. I didn't even know about that. For the second time in three years, a record number of five African Americans were nominated in acting categories. The tradition of honoring black actors who were often overlooked was coming to an end as equality was finally being recognized in the stodgy academy. Or so it seems. Stay tuned for the conclusion of Oscar History. Ebony Katrarian, out for now.